Hello friends, my name is Rob Webster and today I'm going to be talking with my friend Jason Huey. He and his wife Michelle moved to a tiny island in the South Pacific. It reoriented them and their approach to life in general. Custer Road United Methodist Church presents The Story That Writes Us. This is episode 12 of The Story That Writes Us, and I'm so glad to have my friend Jason on today's podcast. His wife, Michelle, even joined us briefly. Michelle is here, if you'd like to say hi. I just heard Michelle's voice faintly in the background. Hi, Rob. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad you guys are doing this. Unfortunately, she had papers to grade. Well, have fun, guys. So she left it to us. I asked Jason, who's from Nebraska, how he ended up in the Kansas City area and how he met Michelle. Yeah, so I grew up in Lincoln uh, in Nebraska and loved it there. And But by the time I got uh, through university, I was just kind of ready for something else and, and decided to move to Kansas City uh, to work in advertising um, and was kind of just busted out of the, the little shell, the bubble of Lincoln and <clears throat> actually moved down there without a job initially and just saw God very quickly answer, you know, that, yes, this is where you're supposed to be and, and provided, you know, everything that I needed. And it was an awesome confirmation of, you know, stepping out in faith and that God will provide. And, um, you know, that's where I met you and got to work at the church with you. It's also where I met, uh, Michelle, my wife, and, um, was just an awesome time of me uh, growing spiritually and, uh, and, and learning so much. And then, you know, we got married and bought a house and, you know, had the cars and all the things. And it was just like, all right, I'm starting my life in Kansas City. So like Jason said, this is where our paths crossed. All three of us worked at the United Methodist Church of the Resurrection in Leewood, Kansas. It's a suburb of Kansas City. And I remember that Jason worked with young adults in the college ministry while he was there. I didn't work there for too long, less than four years. But shortly after I left, Jason and Michelle began looking past Kansas City, too. And then I kind of look across and and Michelle has just kind of got this look saying like, I also want to break out of the shell that I am in, which she, she was from Kansas City. And so suddenly I was like, gosh, you know, you know, I already did this thing. I'm, I'm on my adventure, but if that's what you need to do, then I'm totally down to, to look, let's, let's see where we can go have an adventure together. And, you know, I'm not married to this idea of, of what life should be. I'm married to you and, and I love you and let's go be a blessing somewhere in the world. And and so that was kind of uh, a huge time for me where it was like, okay, you know, Hey, I've done this once and I was only affirmed by, you know, God's provision. And, and so now I get to go do it with my life partner. And that was pretty awesome. So this is where the story gets cool. After sensing Michelle's restlessness, they begin to explore what might be next for them. So we started looking around a little bit, but nothing too significant. Um, but then we had some friends that we were planning on visiting out in the Marshall Islands in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Um, and they came and said, hey, you know, there's this was before we, we went to go visit them. We uh, They said came back that summer and they're teachers and they said, hey, there's jobs out here. Why don't you guys look at some jobs out here? And so really kind of just for kicks, we, we looked into it and Michelle actually qualified for one of those. And. Uh, so she applied and, and I started looking around a little bit and, um, before you know, we had these job offers to move to Kwajalein, which is a U.S. base in the Marshall Islands, K-W-A, nope, yep, <laughs> now I gotta remember how to spell, K-W-A-J, 
A-L-E-I-N, right? <laughs> it's If you put in K-W-A-J in the internet, you'll quickly get Kwajalein. Nothing else is spelled that way. And it is uh, like four miles by one mile, uh, the whole island, and most of that is a runway. And the whole island is a base. There's about a thousand people out there, and it's just about the most different place you could possibly imagine. And so we were excited to go visit it, and then all of a sudden, without visiting it, we were considering jobs out there. And, um, you know, I thought that Kansas City was a big jump and a leap, and, you know, I'm trusting God, but that was a totally different thing where, you know, you're leaving, you know, really American culture, you're leaving your stuff. We just bought this house and all these things. And we are trusting in a big way. And, and the position that I was looking at was only temporary. And because of the logistics of this place, it's very, uh, you know, there's a finite amount of housing and everybody has to live on the base. So I needed to have a job based on the position that she had. And so it was a big risk, but we decided to take it and um, just to cling on to God like we never had before. But we really were excited to go and just serve this community for him. And that was how we arrived. And I think that made all the difference because there, I mean, there's like no restaurants there as an example. Uh, nobody has vehicles. We rode bicycles everywhere. Um, there's only like a couple of government vehicles that you can ever use for work, but uh, you just bike everywhere. So, I mean, it was a complete fish out of water experience that we just ended up loving. And I think it had everything to do with the fact that we went with the attitude of like, we're going to come and try to be a blessing as best we can to this place for as long as God allows us to be here. And it was just a amazing experience to be able to do that. And once you did it and you just saw God answering prayers in ways that you couldn't even imagine, uh, it just was so reaffirming for my own personal faith journey. And then to see the impact that you, you can have on other people because you trusted God was equally affirming. Here's a little bit more about the island and what life was like on it. So it was, I believe, the second uh, island hopper of the island hopping strategy at the end of World War II, where the U.S. Uh, fought a battle there and liberated the Marshallese. And it's one of the biggest atolls in the world, which is basically an old sunken volcano. And so it's comprised of 97 small, small islands and islets. And the U.S. leases, I believe it is eight of those, and has radars on them. And so that's where they do all of their uh, missile testing. So they test intercontinental ballistic missiles and shoot them from California and they land out in this small little lagoon out there. Um, and then whenever someone's doing missile testing, they'll do stuff with NASA out there. Elon Musk and SpaceX went out there when they were first in development. Just, you know, hey, if we miss with our missile, let's not hit anybody. So where do we take it? Middle of the Pacific Ocean. Oh my gosh. So, so you would see these missile tests, I assume you would see missiles landing in the lagoon. Yep. Yep. So, uh, you'd kind of have an idea of when they were going to do it and they'd always do it at sunset and, uh, you get the call. It's time to go stargazing and everybody goes to the North end of the Island. And about 15 minutes later, you see what could look like the end of the world. And here comes an intercontinental ballistic missile, uh, from the heavens. It was very unique. So she started working in, um, so there's community activities because there's not anything, a lot of things out there. Community activities is super big out there. So she worked with uh, like kind of recreation services, but then she quickly actually moved over into um, child and youth services and uh, was helping out in that role. And um, I was helping to 
um, be the interim chaplain at the one church on the island. So they had one church. It was split between the Catholics and Protestants. Uh, and we we went in and had a morning service, and the Catholics came and had their service, and we had a, a late morning service, and uh, people from all denominations got together, and it was frankly much more like what I think Jesus had in mind when it comes to church, where we may disagree on some things, but we're going to get together and worship God together and uh, make it work. Now, it's kind of funny because the army has, you know, the army says you will make it work, you know, <laughs> out there it's a little bit different right. too. Um, but, you know, sometimes you just need someone telling you, make this work. And you're like, yeah, we can make this work, can't we? Uh, and so that was a really cool thing to see. And, uh, you know, to, to worship with people that you would probably not be worshiping together in the States or, or other places. Um, and so that definitely taught me a lot about just getting along with people and, and finding the common ground. And uh, and then, of course, I get to preach on Sunday mornings, which I had never done before. And so talk about, you know, God uh, equipping the called and not the other way around. I was, you know, a nervous wreck half the time, but uh, ended up really, I mean, I was blessed by it. I hope they were. Um, and that was a really cool, <laughs> a really cool thing to get to be able to do. Um, but then that, uh, it was a temporary gig. It was, I was the interim guy. And, um, because of our, our positions out there, if I couldn't find a different job, um, I was going to have to leave. You literally get voted off the Island, you know? And, uh, and we had decided that if that happens, then we're, we're you know, we're both going to leave. And so, yeah. So even if you're married, they don't care. It's like you both have to you can have jobs purpose. of significant importance that allow for you and dependents, but because it's just such a finite amount of housing, though there's jobs are very select and they only have so many to go around. And so uh, certain people can bring their families out there based on their job. So quite gotcha. unique. Yeah. Uh, what, how many, how many people total lived on the Island? Just about a thousand. I mean, so you definitely okay. know pretty much everybody in, you're all riding your bikes everywhere. And so you see each other all the, all the time. Uh, but then everyone's playing, you know, rec sports together. And that rec sports was huge out there. And like the sense of community was very old school, like eighties community really kind of felt like college for adults. Like uh, where you just see everybody all the time. Uh, you pretty much yeah. ate together. Like there's like a chow hall. Like, so if you don't have your dependents out there, everybody just goes and eats at the chow hall. So you have three meals a day together with people. And I mean, talk about, kind of biblical modeling for things. It's like, yeah, let's get together and eat. And so you just make the fast friends. And uh, we fell in love with the community out there. Um, for the first full year or two that we were out there, they didn't even have uh, widely available broadband internet. So that was literally the thing to do. And so wow. you got to know people in a really unique way. And it was awesome. If you love, you know, retail therapy and restaurants, you will be miserable. Um, sure. and that's really where Michelle like got into cooking in a big way. Like that was not an expectation of our marriage. And all of a sudden she ends up like cooking all the things and I'm like, well, this is a bonus, you know, how great. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And, but again, like the, the pros were so great, um, just in the quality of community and, and, you know, everyone's left their life and everyone is in this together, you know, and there's certainly was a sense of that, like, guys, we're, if it's not us together, then, then there's nothing, you know? And so wow. people put together, you know, themed parties and, you know, just really go out of your way to celebrate birthdays. And, uh, it, it was, it was community. Like I have not frankly ever seen before or since it was really, really great. 
The next bump in their road came when the church hired a full-time pastor. Jason found himself out of a job, and on this island, due to the limited housing, you can't stay unless you have a job and a reason to be there. Jason stayed as long as he could, and then he used up all of his allotted visitor pass days as well. But they sensed that God wasn't done with them yet. Jason actually had his plane ticket in hand to leave the island. Just Jason, mind you. Michelle hadn't even gotten one, and she wasn't required to since she's the one who still had a job. Basically, two days before my flight, uh, I got a job in, again, the least logical way possible, which was Michelle's job. She, in the course of me looking for a job, had been promoted to a different position, and I ended up taking her job uh, at the youth center. And so, again, like, just watching God work in that situation, and I probably feel like I trusted God more in that situation. Like, I just never felt like he was going to have us leave that island in that moment. And it just didn't let it stress me out. I didn't, you know, I mean, you can just imagine, like, most people would kind of really be freaking out in that moment. And uh, subsequently, we had people, you know, say that, like, man, like, I saw you handle that. Like, that kind of blew my mind that you guys weren't stressed about it. And we're like, you know, we really came here for... God, and if he wanted us to leave, then I guess we're okay with that. We would be disappointed, but, you know, that was our attitude coming in, and um, I could definitely say that's probably the the first time that I'd ever just really clung to wanting his will and and meaning it in every aspect. You know, like, God, I'm here because of you, and and if you want me to leave, then I guess I want to leave too. And, uh, And we got to stay, and so it was awesome. Uh, and so we got to stay and, and uh, continue to be a part of that community and, and you know, help to run youth groups and uh, all kinds of different events and sports and, and be a, a part of the youth center. And so that was where all, a lot of the kids come after school and, and get to, uh, you know, bless them and be a part of those fun activities and do lock-ins and all of that stuff. And so um, and now, of course, all of those kids are, are off like half of them are graduated college now so this is i'm like oh my but you get to see them becoming an adult which is pretty awesome yeah uh you know you get to see some of that with uh retrospect but ultimately due to michelle's growing leadership role on the island and jason reporting to her the u.s government didn't want a conflict of interest and so they wanted him in a different role so for a time he became the manager of the bakery a job that he wasn't too thrilled with at first given that he'd never really you know baked but He discovered a couple of things. One, that the bakery is a hub of activity on the island. Everybody wants to stop by the bakery. So he got a chance to be a blessing to even more people in this role. And then also, he got to work with a lot of the locals. Once I got my attitude uh, adjusted correctly and in line with kind of, you know, where God had me, it was uh, a great joy to to get to know those people. It's also where I got to learn uh, a lot more about uh, the Marshallese culture because I had a lot of Marshallese employees working for me who would come over from the neighboring island of Ebai. Um, And so I got to have a much more cultural experience there. uh, And that was a huge blessing as well to just, again, uh, the more places you get to travel, the more you realize you don't know much. And so Mm -hmm. that was pretty cool. After a few months, a new government subcontractor took over some of the work on the island. For reasons too long to go into here, Jason and Michelle realized that it was time for them to move on. So so suddenly we said, oh my gosh, are we going to go travel for a while and we're going to leave all this stuff again and where are we going to end up landing? And so this whole other world of unknowns that we were about to uh, embark into, and we did, Uh, we... uh, 
basically traveled for nine months around the world. Uh, we made it all the way around the world, went to you know, Eastern Europe and then uh, went to the Holy Land, Egypt, uh, and then met up with some of our friends in Southeast Asia. And uh, it was it was really cool. And uh, at the same time, it was spiritually dry. And we thought about this because here we went to the Marshall Islands with this attitude of like, we're going to go bless people. But when you're like traveling, it's like, how well do you get to know people in order to bless them? And we're like, well, we're really going to try to fight against that. And it it was just hard just because we weren't yeah. staying places long enough to get to know many people. Um, and, you know, we, we were super thankful for the experience and the opportunity to be able to do that. And, you know, we were just living as cheaply as we could to go experience some things and, and have a unique adventure. And, um, but we, yeah, we did not feel nearly as utilized or, um, we, we weren't, we just weren't blessing people like we wanted to and like we were. Um, but in the middle of that, or well, I guess towards the end of that, um, my parents, uh, decided to uh, move and retire in Colorado Springs that my mom had a health scare. And so we went and helped them move. And that was easily the most fulfilling part of that year was going and knowing that we were helping them. And so it really uh, just helped us to crystallize the idea that, man, if you're not serving and, and loving people intentionally in the name of God, it's going to feel empty and dry. And again, I'm like super thankful that we got to go do those things. And, and that has certainly helped my world perspective and we learned a lot about other religions and other faiths and that was great and continues to be a blessing uh, for where I'm at now um, but it was it was very unique in that it was the first time in years that we hadn't really just been serving with that same attitude that we had gone with and it was noticeable I remember this phase I saw their blog adventuresinaviators.com if you want to check it out and I saw their Facebook posts from all the amazing places that they'd visited. I had no idea how or why they were doing all of this, but I was happy to see it happen and to kind of be along for the ride. But once that ride pulled back into the station, they needed to find jobs again. And that same dual attitude of trust and service guided them once again. So then let's see, at the end of all of that, um, we needed to have a place to go <laughs> and get jobs again. And so that was uh, our next challenge and and really again trying to take what we've learned um we definitely had fallen in love with um warm weathers or maybe had realized how miserable cold midwest winters were uh and so we were kind of eyeing some other places but again it was kind of like man where do you where do we land with this how do we go with an attitude to to try to serve and, and love people um and so we did what everyone says we're gonna go to hawaii so they zeroed in on kona and they looked for work for a month while staying with Michelle's family in Missouri, but they weren't able to find any. And so this is crazy what they did next. They moved to Hawaii without jobs. They had seen God's provision for them so much already that they knew that he would provide for them again. And I, we're just going to move without jobs. And we, again, we like have prayed as best we can and done everything else that I feel led and called to do as far as applying all these things. And it hasn't materialized yet. I think we had one lead that could materialize. And so we said, all right, here we go. We're, we're going to make this work. And well, <laughs> we're going to let God make this work for us. And uh, we're just along for the ride. And 
landed in uh, in Kona, and the very first person we met was we got there early at our Airbnb, and she was uh, still cleaning. The cleaning lady was there, but it was actually her second job, and uh, she told us about this other place that was hiring, and Michelle was working at a property management company within the week, and wow. it was just <laughs> like. Touche, God. I don't even know what to say about that. That's unbelievable. <laughs> you know, like literally That's unbelievable. Awesome. The first person that we met is the connection to a job and okay, we're here. And um, I didn't get the the lead that I had and um, ended up having a couple of other uh, positions and kind of making it work while she had the more steady gig. Um, one of my jobs was I got to become a night snorkel guide on a very unique uh, excursion where you get to snorkel with manta rays that you can only do in uh, on the big island there. And uh, manta rays had become my favorite animal borderline obsession when we were in the Marshall Islands. And so I ended up getting this job where, you know, don't tell them, but I would have done that for free every night. Uh, but I got, uh, got paid <laughs> to take these tourists out and see these manta rays that are these big, oh, 10 to 20 foot, uh, wide animals that are perfectly harmless and just absolutely amazing. Um, and so that was just a super unique opportunity. It was all of a five minute walk from, uh, where we ended up living. And so, yeah, look, Jason's underwater photos and videos are amazing. If you go to the story that writes us.com, I have one of his videos of manta rays posted there. They're amazing creatures. And so I asked some more about the manta rays and about how Island life in general has given him an appreciation for aquatic life. I love how he describes it. Shoot, I mean, it's such a unique experience, these night manta snorkels, where they'll just come like all the way up to you. Sometimes they'll touch you, this huge animal. Um, and people would just come out and they'd be like, that is the coolest thing I have ever done in my entire life. And you just get to be like, I'm so glad I got to share that with you. You know, like yeah. that I'm a small part of that memory and I hope I cracked enough bad jokes that you enjoyed yourself while you were waiting for the mantis to come and that, you know, <laughs> that you learned something about them. Uh, but just, Do they come with enough regularity? Was this like every night? Yeah. So basically mantas eat uh, plankton and plankton spreads out during the daytime, but it's attracted because it's attracted to light and it's light during the day. But at night, this specific group of manta rays uh, learned that this one hotel was shining lights out onto the water and there was high concentrations of this plankton there. And so they started showing, uh, showing up and they're super smart animals. They're like one of the smartest fish in the ocean. They are a fish, but they have a brain to body mass ratio of uh, basically mammals. Rob, I can tell you so much about manta rays. You just don't even want to know. Don't get me started on manta rays, but they're super, super smart. And yeah, and so this, this specific population uh, on the west side of the big island of Hawaii uh, at night come up to these lights. And so now they have like basically like surfboards and light boards in the water that people will come up. Or, so you just get to snorkel off the side of them and these mantas will just come right up and, and basically like lick the entire buffet more or less of all this plankton. Talk about, well, so in teaching world, you can talk about becoming a lifelong learner. And that is certainly, you know, as we've been doing these things, you just learn so much. And that was one, you know, so growing up in Nebraska, you're like two day drive from any ocean. Literally had only snorkeled on our honeymoon, in which case I like threw up all over the place, I'm pretty sure. Um, and so like, I wasn't exactly like thrilled at the possibility or all excited that wasn't why we were going. And I just fell in love with snorkeling and it just, I mean, it is a form of worship to go see some of these coral reefs and just see the creativity of God. And I still will go, you know, regularly and almost every time you'll see something that you've just never seen before. And you're like, 
you know, if I wasn't here to see that, it would still be happening. And there, it's just sitting here glorifying God, being amazing. And uh, so, yes, I have absolutely fallen in love with uh, the water. I'm more of a snorkeler than I am a scuba diver, although I do scuba dive and uh, and do that. But uh, I I just love the the active nature of it. It gets me out and doing stuff, gets me off the sofa, um, and then you just get to appreciate God's creation in a completely different way, um, and just see some of the again the things that would just be down there glorifying Him, even if no one saw it. But then this happened. Um, and then COVID hit. Ah, yes. The great disruptor of our lives. And it killed the tourism industry in Hawaii. So once more, our intrepid travelers had the world as their oyster. And as people on lockdown binged Netflix, me included, Jason and Michelle binged online classes. They got their teaching certificates. It aligned with their love of pouring into and blessing young people. And they thought that it would probably best set them up for whatever the next phase in their journey was going to be. So we definitely were, were looking elsewhere and we stumbled across uh, Mauritius and we're like, what's, what's a Mauritius? <laughs> and uh, it uh, is basically the size of Maui. It's um, its own African nation in, uh, but off the coast of Madagascar. And it is, has 1.3 million people. Um, but there's this Christian school there called Lighthouse and um, they really focus on uh, educating students and teaching them uh, Christian values and, and the Bible in a nation that is uh, primarily Hindu and Muslim. And even just through our first conversation, we're like, man, does that sound like a way for us to to be of service and to bring our gifts to help this school become a big school and to go through some of the growing pains? But, you know, we, we bring administrative gifts and planning and it sounds like that's what they need. They just need some procedures and, and, and some of these things along with just the teaching needs that they have. And so we, yeah, we made the decision to come uh, to Mauritius again, moving to a small island that we'd never been to before and uh, landed uh, actually on Christmas day uh, about seven months ago and uh, have just jumped in here. We're here to serve for as long as, as we can. And it has been uh, just wonderful. We feel, you know, valued and appreciated and useful. And if you get those things, uh, you know, that's a huge, huge thing. Um, and it's, a, and it's an amazing Christian community where you just get to uh, not just teach them. So I teach geography primarily and social studies. And, you know, we're not just talking about that, but then I can just casually talk about, you know, yeah, just like in the Bible, this, or, you know, I mean, just, just at any point you get to focus on the whole child. And like, you know, I tell them all the time, I care about future you, you know, yes, geography is important, but I'm much more worried about you in, in 10 years and, and that you've thought things through and that you feel solid about your faith and your family and your decisions. And you, you know, have all those skills and, um, it's awesome. We, we really love it and, and feel uh, so thankful. And then of course, as God does, uh, found us a like beautiful place right on the water, which like doesn't happen here. And so now we have the best view that we've had of all of these islands making next to no money and uh, working at this school. And so, you know, God will provide exactly what you need. Um, not that we even need this kind of a thing, but it's it's a huge blessing to be here and, and to be meeting uh, so many awesome people from really around the world um, and then learning about different faiths and how, you know, the gospel message needs to be communicated to people of different faiths and um, and then just getting to lead with love and just being like, hey guys, we're here to, to be a blessing regardless. And um, I might not 
tell you about the gospel today, but I'm going to show you a little bit about it. So that brings us up to date on the story of the Hueys. How does their story hit you? It's pretty crazy. It's pretty different, isn't it? When I asked about their life choices, Jason is quick to say people can just as easily be led to stay right where they are, maybe even in the town that they grew up in, and pour into and bless the people there. But the key, he says, is intentionality. Don't go somewhere by accident, but don't stay somewhere by accident. Stay there because you've prayed about it, and that's the direction that God has given you. And if something is holding you back from having an open hand to God's leading, then you should fix that. Of course, we have heard from so many people, oh, I can never do what you've done, or I wish I had done what you've done, and all these different things, and it, it opens up to all kinds of interesting conversations. I'm like, okay, well, well, why didn't you, one, or could you still, why don't you? And it's fascinating to hear the reasons, and you very quickly kind of boil down to, you know, are you living a life of intention, or are you just kind of living and letting things happen? Uh, the one that always blows my mind is like, well, why don't you do something like that? And they'll say, well, I've just got all this stuff. What am I going to do with all this stuff? <laughs> and I'm like, if, if your heart is telling you that you want to go do something else and stuff is the reason you're not doing it, man, get rid of that stuff as fast as you can. It is just stuff. And we've done that now a couple times. We sold pretty much everything when we moved to the Marshall Islands. And then we did it again when we moved to Hawaii. And then we've done it again when we moved here. And I will just testify that it is just stuff. You only get so much enjoyment out of certain things. There are a small handful of things that have come all the way around the world with us this far. It's a really, really short list. And even now I just have the perspective of that only brings me so much joy. And to be able to say like, no, this is where God wants me. This is what I'm going to go do. Go do it. And and he will provide. And that, I mean, that is truly our story is like, there's that fear of the unknown. I don't know how to do these things. I don't know what this place is about. But if you feel the calling on God, of God saying, yeah, like go somewhere and, and experience these things and do it in my name, use your gifts and, and just go love people. He will figure out the details. And, and that has just been something I've learned over and over again. And it just, it emboldens you to do things that are otherwise ridiculous in the eyes of so many. Um, but the joy that you receive uh, that just fills your heart and then the blessings that you get to you know give to other people and, and all in the name of God and then just to see lives transformed because you're doing those things is just an amazing gift. Thank you, Jason, and by proxy, Michelle. The point of this podcast is to highlight how we are all creative and we are all storytellers, telling our stories in light of the story that writes us. Thank you for sharing yours. It was great catching up with you. Hopefully I'll have another episode for you next week. It kind of depends on how some things shake out and come together, but if not, it shan't be long. Don't worry. As always, I'm grateful to all of you who listen. I'm so encouraged when I hear back from you. And if this podcast has meant something to you, encouraged you, challenged you, or helped you grow in your faith, well, chances are it might do that for someone else too. So share it with them or post it on your social media accounts. Send them to thestorythatwritesus.com or they can look it up in their podcast player. The Story That Writes Us is produced by Custer Road United Methodist Church in Plano, Texas. Reach out to me at rob at thestorythatwritesus.com if you'd ever want to stop by for a visit. I'd love to meet you face to face. Look forward to seeing you soon.